Welcome to episode number 10 of Both Sides of the Coin, uh, brought to you by CDN Publishing. Uh, this is our first episode back from the ANA World's Fair of Money. Um, and then right on the back of that was the Long Beach Expo. And we now find ourselves in a kind of a quiet time for the coin business. Um, I'm joined today by John Feigenbaum. My name is Patrick Even Perez. I'm the editor. John, of course, publisher. And I think our experience at the ANA was very good. You know, we got a lot of positive feedback. Um, of course, we're never ever going to please everyone in this market, but um, people were generally happy with the quality of our publication. So we we're very thankful and happy about that. And one of the real bright points was the new cat guide that we kind of debuted and gave away. I think we gave away what, more than a thousand copies easily uh, at easily. the show. And so, John, if you wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the new CAC guide, um, like I said, I think it's something that a lot of people are aware of, but there's still probably a big segment that are maybe have never heard of it or at least not super familiar with it. Absolutely. I mean, thank you, Patrick, first of all. And, uh, you know, I agree. I mean, we had a great ANA show. The show itself was, I would say on a scale of one to 10, was like a seven, seven, eight in terms yeah. of attendance. Um, we could talk about that later, but I, generally speaking, there could have been more people at the show. And ironically, from where we sit, the better job it feels like that we do, the less conversation we have. So the irony is that when there's people have something that they want to complain about, we get into better conversations, as yes. perverse as that sounds. But so it was quiet for us in that regard. Most people are, are very content with the publications we are now uh, putting out. They're still getting used to it because we keep coming out with so many new products and it's exciting. And I think one of the things we could achieve in this podcast is to talk about those a little more. But we're really excited about these new these new publications. And as Patrick said, we've got the uh, CAC Rare Coin Market Review that debuted or launched at the ANA show. And um, while it is not in partnership with CAC, we certainly had the blessing of CAC. Uh, John Albanese was very helpful in terms of uh, working with us and give us graphics that we could, you know, that proprietary graphics for the cover, and as well as a lot of information, not to mention that CAC itself is a big market maker in their coins, right. which pushes a lot of the levels. Right. And just to emphasize that it's, this is a retail guide, and our wholesale CAC pricing can still be found in the standard, you know, monthly gray sheet wholesale guide and also online, of course. To some degree, right. More and more, um, we have CAC pricing segregated from the non-CAC because of the difference in the market levels. And while the CAC Recoin Micro Review is designed, uh, published for collectors, so it's collector-based pricing, hence the CPG value, the, um, the interesting thing about it, of course, is that we don't have a complimentary wholesale guide. There are some CAC prices in the gray sheet, but not comprehensive. So one almost has to scratch their head and say, are we going to end up doing that too? I, I sort of hope not. The prices are all online, yes. although you know, collectors are still telling us they like it in print form. But hopefully for now, this will suffice. And, uh, and people love the publication. Uh, I love the publication. I'm really proud of it. And our team did just a fantastic job putting it together. So, so that was great. Um, you know, I would say back to the show a little bit uh, and, you know, to A&A and Long Beach. And, you know, we're generally in this kind of downhill end of year uh, part of the part of the schedule where there are fewer shows. People front the whole year always seems front end loaded. Yes. Um, which I don't really quite understand. I think it's more historic than anything. Right. And, and, and fun has just become like this 
this kind of monster that people almost spend two months preparing for. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it slows the end of the prior year. Right. Dealers are just exhausted uh, sort of after A&A. You'd say that's August. There's four or five more months. And um, dealers are really just kind of riding it out at that point. And this is for decades, I I recall. The the Baltimore show in November is going to be a good show. It's always a decent show. We expect it to be well attended. But that's kind of an oasis in the whole dearth right. of, of shows in the in the final part of the year. Right. People and speaking of the the exhaustion part on the side of dealers, we definitely saw at ANA the wholesale business was very active. You know, many couple of dealers told us they were having twelve hour, fourteen hour days trading, whereas the retail side, like as you mentioned earlier, was kind of quiet um, as far as in, foot traffic and and people actually physically at the show. Um, I did pull up a couple of uh, in- interesting figure uh, with the Heritage Auction, just a year, you know, a quick year over year comparison. You know, this year they did 32.4 million, and that's just US coins. Of course, there was US paper, there was world coins. Right. In 2018, they did 27 million, and in 2017, they did 21.2 million. So each year, pretty decent um, increase. So yeah. whether it's the size of the auctions getting bigger, or more people are willing to consign, or just more bidders. It's uh, there's been a positive growth uh, there since 2017, which I think is interesting. So it's good, you know. It it used to be where the fun auction was always outperforming the ANA auctions for a while, and now they're kind of the ANA is kind of working back, uh, working its way back as it, as it was maybe eight to ten years ago. Um, so that's nice. And uh, speaking of news and pricing that that we've been working on, we have a lot of new things to talk about with our dealer only membership website, Seed in Exchange. Uh, so, John, if you wanted to kind of get into that a little bit. Sure, sure. So, CDN Exchange is our dealer-to-dealer network of about 200 members today. Um, dealers join for $150 a month, and it gives them ability to communicate within the dealer, you know, a private exchange, as well as post bids on and make markets in specific areas. We talked about CAC is a, is a huge bidder on CDN Exchange, Heritage Auctions, and others. <clears throat> And this is, this is where you post, you can make it known that you are the high buyer for, let's say, high reliefs or any kind of $20 generic gold. This is where you'd want to be known for that. Uh, excuse the jet noise behind us. If you hear through the uh, microphones here, we happen to live in Virginia Beach, which is the home of uh, hundreds of F-18 and F-18 <laughs> <laughs> birds flying around every day. The price of freedom, as we say here in Virginia Beach. So... Um, Anyway, on CDN Exchange is a topic that we really haven't talked about enough here at CDN. We've been so focused on pricing conversations and publication conversations that the CDN Exchange is really my little baby in terms of something I've worked on personally for over 10 years, and even before I got involved at CDN. And this dealer-to-dealer market, I think, is the future of trading as it, as it relates to wholesale and informing the markets of what people will buy. And I think as we need in this industry a better way for dealers to communicate. So we are putting a lot of money and resources into CDN Exchange for communication purposes. We're coming up with more social interaction among the dealers. We're doing a better job of giving reporting of, for example, how recent auctions have performed against the gray sheet bids. You can now look online and see how you're doing there and hopefully bid appropriately. So we're thinking this is the future, and we're going to put a lot into it. We've got some exciting announcements in the next podcast or two that we'll discuss about growing CDN Exchange to the next level. Uh, one other thing we added recently was some, the concept of expiring bids, where a dealer can post bids, and 
you know, for a short-term need, I need uh, your commemoratives in 67, and you post a bid, but you don't want to forget that you did that. So those expire two weeks later. So those bids are short-term, and you tell the market, you know, what you're up to. So lots more coming at CDN Exchange, and we look forward to uh, showing you more as that comes along. Yeah, and by far the most um, exciting feature that was added was the re- what we call the Request Review button um, on CDN Exchange. And so what that is, is if you're a member as a dealer, and you know every coin has a screen, its own screen where you can see recent auction record, you can see our CDN pricing in line by grade. Uh, but if you're a dealer in that coin, or you recently bought one, or you recently sold one, and you think you you have some feedback on the price, up, down, or otherwise, there's a button for every single coin that if you push it, uh, John and I will get a message right away that says, please review the pricing of this of this coin. And you can put a little note, say, you know, if you want to put what grade you're, you're talking about or just in general, you don't have to. Um, and right away we know, hey, let's take a look at this coin. And generally, I mean, it's, it's caused us to do hundreds of price changes recently so. um, as people have learned about it and have started to use it. So it's it's been really, really handy. And it's a great, one of our original goals was this whole concept of crowdsourcing pricing from the wide wider dealer community. And this is probably the best way that we've been able to uh, start doing that. Um, so it's tremendous. Right. It's simply impossible for, for us to keep track of every price. And there's many market makers we know who are uh, very specialized in certain areas. And if you know the value of an item better than we do, we want to know. And uh, or or just bring it to our attention, and a lot of times we can just look at the screen that you bring to our attention, and we'll say, ah, MS sixty fours are off on this coin, uh, yes. or paper money, or Generally anything else obvious, that we're. Yeah. And so, absolutely, um, but it's a thank you for bringing that up. So, on top of CD and Exchange, we'll go back to these other uh, improvements we've been making here on the software side of things, which is uh, including the our website itself. So, the website I have personally been working with our programmer. An IT team on uh, several major, you know, enhancements to the website, including the events directory uh, is now uh, kind of live in its new form. And so now, we, we if you have a coin show or an event, we want to know about it so we can post it on this events directory. This events directory also gets published in print in our publications. Um, after the events directory, we we moved over to the dealer directory. The CDN has always been famous for its dealer directory. Yes. I think they call it the Numismatic Dealer Directory or NDD. NDD yeah. For years, it was no, it was a kind of a thick book, and when we took it over, we made it online only. Part of the biggest problem has always been that dealer information is always out of date in in this printed guide. Exactly. So we had the great idea to basically tie the directory to our active enrollment of subscribers. So if you're not a subscriber, you will not be included in the directory. That's a little self-serving for us. But more importantly for us, it also require, means we know your address is active. If yes. We, if we get mail back, we take you off the mailing list because you have moved and we don't know where you are, then you will no longer be part of the directory. And that's good. We don't yes. want an out of date. So no directory on the face of it could possibly be as accurate as ours just because ours is maintained every minute of every day that we're that we're working. So we're really excited about the dealer directory. There's over 2,000 active uh, listings of dealers uh, alone. And if you want to be a part of it, please just let us know. All you have to do is give us a call or send an email. And then there's even a way to make yourself a featured dealer for $20 a month, which is a small price to lift yourself to, to the top page of the directory. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say outside of pricing, probably the most 
frequent question we've gotten over the past four years is where's the dealer directory? Right. Uh, because right. I, because as you said, it was such a, a popular item with the old CDN company. And, you know, this online one is really fantastic because no matter where you are uh, in the country or even in the world, in some cases, you can find a dealer. Right. Right. And we, we may go back to print now that it's now that we've got this kind of solidified, we could go back and publish on an annual basis, a printed guide, even with the logos, a lot of people are uploading their own logos and, and, right. and which is fantastic. So who knows what we'll do? I think that's a demand based, uh, you know, question whether we do it, it won't be in 2019, but maybe in 2020, right, we'll right. do a directory if we if we get people wanting it. The next big thing that we're doing, and I'm, um, doesn't sound exciting, but it really is to me, is that we're going to move our blog site, uh, blog.gracie.com, to gracie.com slash news. And what that's going to mean is very customized, very, um, very tightly woven news information and stories from, you know, the people within our direct, the dealers within our directory, the events that we're showing in our events guide, right. and the news that's being told, and the coins we're selling. So, for example, if... Uh, Heritage Auctions is selling a 1901 S quarter at the ANA show this summer. We're gonna we're gonna t- every piece of information. If you go to the ANA show page, it's gonna show this article. If you go to the Heritage page, it's gonna show this article. Uh, if you go to the O1S page, it's gonna show this article, and that information will stay with it forever. So right. we w- what I think we really worry about uh, from where I sit in this industry is how all this information that's great gets lost very quickly in our current blog system. It's like a WordPress site. And if it scrolls off the page, you probably don't see it again. We're going to do a much better job of surfacing relevant stories to the people who use the site. And I've been th- I've been dreaming of this probably for two years, and and I think it's finally coming to its fruition. And I hope to I hope to launch it in the next month or two. So so stay tuned for that. That's really exciting for us. Yeah, and uh, I think those people who are familiar with our Saturday morning emails that give you a recap of the the recent blog posts, you know, if they follow through and click on one of those stories. Now they'll be able to see anything that relates to that Correct. that we posted in the past years, um, which I think is really fantastic because if you're there on a Saturday morning and you, you find one of those topics interesting, you can see other things that we've written about it in the past. So it kind of makes your knowledge base richer. Exactly. And if, and if really we get our act together one day, which is far in the offing, I would think, but if we really get our act together and we can know that you collect Buffalo Nichols and... We can mostly surface stories for you about Buffalo Nichols and, and Morgan Dollars or whatever you care about. That's that's a little bit more in the offing. Uh, we don't want to intimidate anybody by thinking that we follow you through the site or anything like that, which we don't. But you know, everybody would prefer relevant stories. So right, maybe, it's more customized to your taste. Right, we'll let people customize uh, their feed, as it were. So lots of lots of exciting um, you know applications can be had with that. So anyway, I think the next um, thing we should jump into and. In, you know, I have them in front of me is our current set of publications, which is, uh, you know, in no large, small measure, the most important thing we do here. And uh, but the publications are, are a bit like the tip of the iceberg. You know, all the work we do on um, pricing and in software development to help make the pricing possible and to keep track of auction records and bids and things like that show themselves in these publications. And, um, you know, we most recently uh upgraded the green sheet for, you know, I don't know, 20, 20 odd years. Uh, this publication was printed on uh, photocopy paper, basically, and 12, 16 pages. And now just this last month in September, we introduced the full color green sheet. 
It's very similar format to the other publications in terms of uh, the quality of the paper, things like that. And Patrick uh, spent a lot of time adding hundreds and hundreds of, of price listings. So I'll let him describe that. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a very exciting development, something that we had been planning for for, for three years. And the biggest sing- singular change is the fact that we're able to now list um, virtually every single Friedberg number that exists. With the, ex- the only major exception is nationals because nationals are not collected by Friedberg number. They're collected by region. So that's and charter number. And yeah. So, on. so that's, so yeah. that's not really that necessary, but for large size, uh, all the different type notes, you know, we list every single Friedberg number and that, what that really has done is allowed us to be much more granular in our pricing uh, because I think for too long, the currency market kind of was oversimplified in its pricing. And so, um, it's been a lot of fun actually being able to to come up with all this data because my biggest and it still is contention is that there's a lot of notes out there that are much scarcer than people realize and maybe a very small segment of dealers and collectors knew it and that held prices down but hopefully now as this market gets wider uh, people are less hesitant to go out and buy these scarce notes because i don't know any other area of numismatics where you can buy a note where only 15 exists for four thousand dollars i mean it's pretty crazy if you think about it you can really acquire some really cool stuff for not a whole lot of money when you compare it to u.s coins right and we we think that that, that uh you know it goes back to our philosophy our, our operating philosophy here is simply that that this information is vital to a healthy marketplace and people don't know that a certain free lumping all these same four or five uh, you know issues of signature combinations and things like that into this to the same Friedberg type as it were all it did was destroy value so we're trying to yeah. create value uh, by showing people you know these specific Friedbergs are worth more exactly and so just to highlight the October issue which um, is being printed as we speak uh, some of the things that we looked at uh, for October is uh, we've fully revised some of the early legal tenders which they're one of the weird areas where it's like 16A, 16B, 16C, 93A, B, and C. And so none of that stuff was priced before. Even our catalog wasn't that correct on it. So we, we cleaned that up, priced those. So we added you know, another 10 listings, I'd say. Um, another big issue that was not possible before was the third series of fractional notes. That's the series that has by far the scarcest numbers. And a lot of those were not able to be on their own line. And so all that pricing has been... Uh, Revised, which was great because there was a nice collection of that sold at A&A right. by Heritage. So it was kind of a perfect timing for that. And then um, still kind of slowly adding more colonial and Confederate um, prices for the online only users. Um, while I don't think we'll ever print notes for Confederate currency, um, it's a very actively traded market. And um, over the next month or so, I'll be adding uh, pricing for all the types, 1 through 64, um, to our online price guide. So that's that's pretty exciting, too. It is, because at the moment, it, it's impossible to really know what these things are worth. So thank you, Patrick, for doing that. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and a quick plug for, uh, I have the October 2019 gray sheet here on my desk. So we're, that means we're already working on the November issue. And we're pretty excited because the November issue is going to feature uh, an article about uh, super collector Deloy Hansen. And as most people realize, Deloy has a mega collection worth in the hundreds of millions already. And he's changing all the norms about collecting as we know it today and kind of upturning the market on its end. And a lot of a number of dealers have varying opinions about that. So we uh, set about getting getting to hear about those opinions and we're going to feature them in the November issue. So that's exciting. Um, and, and I, and I think that's that. the key is 
it's not a, for lack of a better word, it's not a fluff piece. It's kind of like, what are other people who are have important positions in the market? What's their opinion? And and because it's not like this is the yeah. first time that's dealers, happened. Dealers want to know how this. How does this affect us? Right. You know what? Is, what does this mean that some somebody's coming in and spending four hundred thousand dollars on a mercury dime that was estimated at twenty thousand in the auction? What you know? Obviously, there's an underbidder. There, I think there were two in, right. in some of the cases. So it's he's not alone. I mean, it's not a huge market either of people who are willing to chase. But we're starting to see some irrational exuberance at certain parts of the market, while really at the the rest of the markets kind of seemingly to languish in some in some way. So right. it's an uneven market as it always is in the rare coin business. But this is especially interesting. Yeah. So so I think it's I think it comes from a very interesting point of view. Is so it's a, I think it's I think it's a good read for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So John, speaking of Deloitte Hansen, I have a quiz for you. Can you name the, like the six coins that he needs to finish his complete U.S.? Six coins. He's down to six? Six coins to complete the regular U.S. circulation set. That would essentially be like the Red Book is what you're saying? The Red Book set? Yeah. The whole the whole, the whole, whole thing. Wow. Um, and I'm sure he's got a lot more than that. But, yes. But I can only think of two off the top of my head. I would say for sure the 1822.5, which is there's the one in the Pogue collection that's unique and that right. fantastically failed to sell. I think around ten or eleven million dollars a few years ago, right? And um, and obviously the eighteen fifty four S five, which also recently came up for auction and uh, sold, but he didn't buy it. Everybody was shocked that he didn't buy it. It yes. was last year's A and A, right? Which was very interesting, right? And he still, to my knowledge, has not acquired that coin, and it's um, right it's in a PCGS holder. So it- that's interesting. Um, what else? So that's the, we also have the seventy S half dime. Okay, which is unique, unique but it's mm-hmm. owned. It's not. It's not um, in a museum. Interestingly, okay. although I don't know who owns it. I think I do. Someone does. Someone <laughs> and, does. Um, and eighteen seventy five ten, which is a famous mint state rarity. Okay. Most people buy proofs for that coin, and he has a proof, to my understanding, but he doesn't have how the many. Mint state. How many business strikes are there? Existing or original? I don't know. Uh, uh, I actually don't know. I don't know. I've never handled one. I don't think so. Okay. Okay. And then the eighteen seventy S three. Which okay. is in the ANA Museum, which was the Harry Bass coin. And there's also a second known example, correct? There's two known or just one? Not confirmed. Confirmed. There's a, supposedly a second one. Right. And then, of course, I would I know the other one. It's the 3320. Uh, if the, unless there's seven. But the 3320 is right. unique in private hands. Famous, famous story. Uh, very interesting. And 7.5 million. I think that maybe he get offered that coin one day. I don't know. The, you know, Supposedly, the buyer of that coin at Sotheby's was uh, not a coin collector. Correct. And just a wealthy individual who liked the story and just swooped in and bought it and never to be seen and, or heard from. And maybe this is total speculation on my part, but was the buyer not even American? That I don't know. I have no, I don't know. There's who the, some rumors. There's seemingly a few people who know who the buyer is, but I'm not one of them. Gotcha. Cool. So we'll close and uh, talk a little bit about the foundation of all these things, which is the pricing aspect of things. Uh, you know, Patrick already spoke about how he's increased. He had to increase the amount of Friedberg numbers we reported on to justify this fact that we wanted to to make this a bigger and more useful green sheet. So that was a big project. It didn't, doesn't just happen overnight. And uh, we've gone from 135,000 prices about one year ago. I tried to look up some data on that. And the best I can tell is about 135. And today we are over 190,000. So that's a tremendous 65% just in a year. And who knows where that goes? We're talking about adding um, even Canadian coins to our database. 
Right. That doesn't mean we'll add Canadian coin pricing just yet, but that's been the most frequently requested uh, pricing area of numismatics outside of U.S. coins. Yes, definitely. And uh, one other thing just to finalize on the green sheet, I think the thing that will pu- push us to 200,000, it's kind of in my mind, it's a, you know, a good number. Go for it. That will push us to 200,000 is um, I'm adding a lot of online-only pricing for small-size Federal Reserve notes, green seals. You know, it's an area that's somewhat specialized, but it's also, there's a lot of people collect it because it's a low barrier to entry. Most of the notes are not very expensive. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to collect it. And that's something I wrote about in the October um, Green Sheet article, if, if uh, users want to check that out. Um, but that will push us to, I think, 200000 because I'm adding tons of that pricing. So if you collect some of the more modern stuff, uh, notes from the s- series in the 60s and 70s, um, keep in mind that, that that will be coming over the next, I'd say, eight weeks. Sure. We had an email request on that today for pricing. So I understand. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I think on that note, it's a good wrap. And uh, we thank everybody for joining us and, and uh, on this podcast. And we look forward to doing one again very soon. And we also thank you for supporting the Gray Sheet and our publications, CDN Publishing. And you know we're trying to build a uh, a family of publications and a family and a set of tools, whether online or in print, that help everybody enjoy this hobby and profit from it as best they can. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Peace out. Peace out.